Praise God. You guys here this morning? Praise, praise the Lord, church. Good to be in the house. And by the way, if you want to, I mean, that was so powerful watching those kids pray. You know the Holy Spirit's moving when kids are praying like that. Come on. I can't even get my kids sometimes to clean rooms. And, uh, but man, when the Holy Spirit moves, he, those, those kids have just as much of the Holy Spirit as you and me do. Come on. There is no junior Holy Spirit. He's alive. And uh, that gives me hope for this generation. I don't know about you. And especially as we look to this weekend and what God's going to do in our young people. How many are excited about that? I believe God has great things in store for this camp. And uh, I believe we've been going through a little bit of battle, but that's okay. How many know when you encounter the battle, that just means you're going the right direction? You're going in the right direction. If you don't get any resistance, you better check yourself. Um, Because that's what this thing's about. We're going upstream in this world. Amen? We're going upstream. Well, it's so good to be back with you, church. And... To be back in the house and from uh, 115 or some ungodly de- uh, degree of weather that we were in. Uh, but it was a great time. Um, I'm sure Pastor John gave a little report last week. But for those who may be, may be new to our uh, congregation, we are a member of the Fellowship Network. And it's an awesome uh, awesome affiliation and and group of churches that we are connected with and over the years we've built just tremendous relationships and obviously last year disrupted a little bit of those uh, meetings we were supposed to have and so this was our first time in a couple years getting together and uh, it was fantastic uh, just to see uh, pastors and leaders being coming together and encouraging each other Uh, I'll I'll just say uh, pastoring during a pandemic can be slightly challenging uh, and some of these pastors you could tell needed it, including myself. But we, we, uh, when we come together, we encourage each other and we strengthen each other. It's important uh, for that to happen. Uh, and I believe that happened that, that week. And so um, we're just excited for what God's doing, not, not just in our church. But how many know we're part of the big C, the big church? And that God's doing broader things across his body, across the world. And so when we get together like that, we get to hear testimonies of, of what he's doing. And it's super encouraging, just like you heard from Beth this morning. So as I was praying this week, I had a totally different message over the last keep, couple of weeks that I was preparing. And then God just flipped the switch. He does that sometimes. Um, but I felt him say this uh, my, my, to encourage my people to stand firm. Amen. To stand firm. Because uh, even, even as our, our brother John came up and shared, we got to hold fast because these times are challenging. And, it's, and, and you know, we keep thinking, hey, we're just going to get through this thing and then we're going we're gonna to move on. But then another thing comes. Come on. And then another thing comes. And so one of the messages that came forth at the conference, which was, um, I think it's encouraging, was that how, what if God's just trusting you with the test? And I, uh, I said, oh, okay, okay, I'll have to think about that different. And maybe that's what he meant in James chapter 1. He says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. I've always wondered about that verse, haven't you? You get all excited, you guys, I'm the only one who thought that was a crazy verse, all right? Count it all joy when you encounter various trials because God, God it's a chance for God to prove himself once again. And it's a chance for him to prove what we have in us. Come on. 
When we endure in faith through the trial, there is a reward, there's endurance, there's strength, and we're able to come and minister to somebody else who's been through some stuff. So when I saw it that way, I said, Lord, I'm going to stop trying to wait for the next end of the tunnel and just really believe you in the midst of every single test, even if even they get harder. Because you're bringing forth some gold. You're bringing forth some silver in our lives. Amen? That's not where I was going to go, but I just felt like that, sharing that. But um, I just want to encourage you this morning that, to stand. And what that means to stand, uh, if you will, turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 10. The Lord just kind of highlighted this whole passage here for me and, and said, my people need to hear this. And I think... We need to understand something. I've heard it said this before, that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. And in this day and age, we need to know what we stand for and how we're standing. I say we need to know what we stand for and how we're standing. The church says a lot about what we're against. What about what, 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 what are we for? What are we for? We're for God doing miracles in people's lives, redeeming redemption and salvation and, and healing and, dis, and people being made disciples and following after Jesus and fi, being, being, finding the abundant life that God intends for them and living in that life. And so Paul says here, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Somebody say, be strong this morning. And, you know, this word finally has an emphasis to it because it's, he's saying this is important. And how many know if you read, read the first six, five and a half chapters of, of Ephesians, you know that there was some important stuff in there. But he says, finally, finally, now listen up. In conclusion or summation in the rest of the matter, I want to share some things with you that will help you to overcome and to live this life I've been sharing with you about. In the Greek, this term was used to express something of great importance that it was left to the end of the letter. So Paul's last words in this epistle, we want to be mindful of this morning. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And this is incredible when you think about what preceded this in the books, book of Ephesians. What a revelation this book is. He starts chapter 1, he says, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We've been adopted. We've, been, we've come into the inheritance of the saints. He prays that we would be, our eyes of our heart would be open so that we would know what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. That we would know what the hope of his calling is. That we would know what this greatness of his inheritance is in the saints goes on to chapter 2 and he says he he says listen you've been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus come on somebody that's important to know he says you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works and there's so many other things and then he goes into chapter 3 and Paul prays this prayer that we would that we would be strengthened in the inner man with power and might come on that we would know the height, the depth, the width, the breadth of his love, and the fullness of his love, the revelation of that with all the saints. 
Then he goes into chapter 4 and he talks about the fivefold ministry. And we, we see the apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers being revealed in their purpose to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the maturity and coming up into the maturity of who we've been called to be. And then he, said, then he begins to go into this section about how we walk, how we live, how we relate to one another, how we relate in our families, how we relate to our spouses, how we relate to our, to our employers. Come on. Practical instruction. Then he gets to here, chapter 6, and says, finally, remember this. And he begins to speak on spiritual warfare. Spiritual for- warfare that we must engage in daily. Come on. And you didn't get, I didn't hear an amen on that. Like I, yeah, I was trying to avoid that, Pastor. Thanks for the reminder. But if we are to keep standing and live victoriously in this age, we can't live, we have to, we can't live in the reality of the abundant life that Christ intends for us if we refuse to neglect to engage in the spiritual battles that stand between us and that. We must recognize the spiritual warfare and battles for what they are and then engage, and listen, engage on his terms. And that's what Paul begins to lay out here, which are different than we would think naturally about how we battle, right? So number one, he says, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. It's, number one is understanding. There's, there's four th- five things I want you to understand this morning. It is, one, our strength our position, our struggle, our armor, and our tactics. Because we are in a battle. How many feel that? We are in a battle, and the, and it's been, the stakes have been raised. Things have get, are getting more intense. They're not getting left, less intense. The Bible says that in the last days, difficult times will come. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Here's the key. Our strength is not in ourselves. We will not be able to stand firm in this day, in these days that we live in, if we try in the power of our own strength and might. The Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by His Spirit, says the Lord. By His Spirit. We learned, uh, we went on a vacation uh, back in December. And we were in Florida, and we were trying to find a rental car so we could drive out to the beach area. And there was no rental companies available. And somebody said, hey, you got to try this new company where uh, individuals rent out their own cars. And I said, oh, I'll try anything right now. There's no cars. And so we found it, and, they, and they, this guy had a great deal on a Tesla. It was awesome. I'm like, yes. And he says, I'll drive it over. I'll teach you how to drive it. And I'm like, you're delivering it? This is awesome. And so we get in this car, and it's fully loaded. This thing's like zero to 60 in three seconds. Come on. And I am so excited to drive this car. Uh, And I get out in the morning. I realize it's got to get a charge. And then we drive it over to the other side. We go to the beach. And at the end of the day, I went and I looked in the car at the uh, battery level, and it said 50, 50 miles left. And we had 200 And so then I realized, okay, this is the other part of being an electric vehicle owner. You got to find your charge. So I was searching all over the map and trying to find the nearest charge and hoping that I could get to it with the mileage that was left. You know what I'm saying? And so we got there 
And we charged this thing up and we had dinner and it worked out okay. But I was just thinking about, man, you got to keep an eye on keeping this thing charged. And so it is with our life. We got to stay plugged into the power of God. We've got to stay plugged and filled with the Holy Spirit and overfilled. Let our lamps be filled during this time we're in. Plugged in. Our strength comes from him. This word might is dunamis. It's supernatural power. Remaining plugged into his dunamis. It's su- See, if you're going to live a supernatural life, you need supernatural power. You need his power. Come on. In the inner man to strengthen you. So number one, it's our strength. And he says in Ephesians 6, 11, he goes on, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He says, stand firm. Here's that. Here's those words. And he says it a couple times in this passage. And I want you to see what it means because number two is understanding our position. Paul spent the whole part of part up leading up to this of Ephesians describing what it is to sit and what it is to walk. And now Paul says, this is what it means to stand. You like that picture? That's my, that's my buddy. We got to go to Southern Utah and that place is amazing. Some amazing uh, views and just uh, opportunities to hike through there. But I love that picture of the position because the Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we're seated in heavenly places with him. And here's what Watchman Nee says in his book, Sit, Walk, Stand. He says, only those who sit can stand. Our power for standing as for walking lies in having first been made to sit together with Christ. The Christians walk in warfare alike derive their strength from his position there. If he's not sitting before God, he cannot hope to stand before the enemy. If he's not sitting before God, he cannot hope to stand before the enemy. And see, stand stand firm, we need to understand our standing in Christ. Do you know where you stand? How many know know that in this day and age, there's so many different issues that we're talking about and and we're we're so divided and they want to know where you stand or this or that, right? Whether it's a political issue, it's a social issue, it's a moral issue, whatever it may be. But let me, can I just say this? And many times Christians, we're quick to try to establish our position on these things. And that's probably important that we understand that. But more important is understanding your standing in Christ. Where you stand in him. Number one, he's, we stand in grace. Look at Romans 5, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. Somebody say this grace in which we stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. Justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing promise. What an amazing reality. Through whom also we've obtained introduction by faith into this grace. So it says you stand in this grace. How do you keep standing in grace? How do you keep standing in that place of trusting God? Trusting for his provision. Trusting for his power. Trusting for his supply in your life. 
You stand in that place. You see, many times we begin receiving his gift of salvation, and then we get into the walk of Christianity, and we're trying to do it in our own strength. And, 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 and Paul says in Colossians, as you started, so keep on going. In that same level of dependency that you had from the outset, stay in that place of grace. You see, I just talked about our strength, but the reason you recognize your need for his strength is you first embrace and rejoice in your weakness. That's backwards, isn't it? Paul says, I glory in my weaknesses. Whoo! I glory in my weaknesses. Because in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. You see, my weakness allows for him to come in and the, and the, the, where I need him. I need him. Stay in that place of grace. And it says, then he goes into 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 2, says this, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you. Woo. How many of the gospel means the, the too good to be true news? The too good to be true news. We heard some good news this morning. I need to hear some good news this morning. Your neighbors, our city, our community need to hear some too good to be true news this morning. Because, but I preach to you, which also you received, and in which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast, that's what Brother John was sharing. Hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. You see, the Corinthians church had all sorts of problems, carnality and issues. We won't go into all those. But in spite of all their problems, they did stand in the gospel. Unlike the church at Galatia, Paul rebukes them and says, hey, you've moved away from this gospel. You've gone into this legalism, this, this work of the flesh, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? You've moved away from it. And so we are to stand in the gospel, stand in that place, and the temptation today for many Christians, and I've seen it happening all over the body of Christ, the Bible says that there will be a great falling away. In the end times, one of the things that marks the end time is there will be, there'll be a great apostasy that takes place. Believers, even the elect, the Bible says, will be deceived. And how will they be deceived? They're moved away from the gospel. We see, we've seen in the body of Christ, even just in the last 10 years, people moving towards a universalism. They've, they've taken a sloppy view and perspective of grace and just said, oh, God's too good to put anybody in hell. They've moved away to a different gospel. Paul says, even if an angel comes and preaches a gospel to you that's other than what I've preached, don't listen. So we've got to be aware of the enemy's devices to come and try to move us away from standing in the place of grace, standing in the place of the gospel. And then he says, we stand by faith in Romans 11 as Paul is speaking of his brethren, the Jews who have been broken off, the branches that have been broken off. He says, quite right. They were broken off for their what? Unbelief. But you stand by your faith. So we, we stand in grace. We stand in the gospel, but we stand by our faith. 
He says, do not be conceited, but fear. In other words, our faith and trust in Christ and what he has done, not in ourselves, lest we fall. Paul warns us that just as his Jewish brethren had been broken off because of unbelief, so too we Gentiles could be if we aren't careful. Pride comes before the fall. Keep standing by faith. Keep standing by faith. And then he speaks of here in Ephesians 6, 11, he talks about the schemes of the devil. How many know the devil is a schemer? And this word, it, it speaks of cunning arts. Yeah, he's even artful. He's even creative in his scheming. And I'm not here to give him too much credit, so I'll, I won't spend a lot of time on this. But deceit, craft, and trickery. But you can't underestimate him either. Church, you got to know your enemy. And you got to know what he's about, and you got to know his tactics. He has a game plan. He has a game plan. And he's over on the sidelines, and he's got, and you, you, see these, you see these offensive coordinators in football, they're like this. Coaches, they got their game plan here, and they can't let your mouth be seen, so the other side can't see what they're saying. So the enemy's got a strategy too, and he doesn't want you to know his tactics. He doesn't want to know you to know his schemes. But I believe through the Holy Spirit, we can, we can know what he's up to. God will reveal, he will expose the darkness. He'll expose the game plan. And unlike the New England Patriots, you don't need to go spy on the opposing team. Or deflate footballs. All right. Did I say that? I'm, I'm in trouble. 2 Corinthians 2.11, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant, somebody say ignorance, of his schemes. We cannot be ignorant of the devil's game plan. We can't just act, you know, we can't just kind of act like nothing's wrong. We've got to be aware, and I'm not telling you to go look for the devil's game plan. But be aware when he's trying to mess with your life and in the lives of those you love, in the lives of your family, your friends. Understanding what he's up to. Verse 12, let's read on in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And let's understand something. We've got to understand our struggle. And I put up there, the struggle is real. The struggle is real, but it's part of it. You get stronger in the struggle. You get stronger in the struggle. You are made for battle. The moment you received Jesus and you trusted, your, trusted him with your life, and you followed after him, and you said, I want to be a disciple, and I want to follow after him. The, the enemy puts you in the center of the bullseye. He had his sights set on you, and his goal and his plan with all his minions and hierarchy of spiritual forces is to get you to get knocked down, to not, not stand anymore. He wants to move you from your position, and if you don't know what your position is in Christ, you'll be easily moved. That's why Paul encouraged and exhorted the church, be steadfast and be immovable. Stand your ground. And do you understand that position of standing? 
He didn't say go run after the enemy and go kick him in the tail. He said stand. Why? Because he's already won. Jesus is already won. You're not fighting from a place of getting victory. You're fighting from a place of having victory. Come on. And if you don't understand this, you're going to miss it. When you have the victory, you stand. And you resist in the evil day. You resist. That's why James said, submit therefore to God. Resist. Resist the devil. And he will what? Flee. I'm telling you, he has to use his schemes and cunning trickery and all that stuff because that's all he's got. He only has authority when we give it to him. Did you hear that? He has to usurp to do stuff. He has to come and twist and deceive and get in somebody's mind and their thoughts and begin to work in and through that person to achieve what he wants to achieve. And so there's a struggle, but we have the victory, praise God. And so maybe, you're, maybe because you know you have the victory, you begin, to, you begin to deal with the struggle a little bit different. Instead of, instead of crying out and saying, God, help me in the struggle, you begin to praise him because you already got the victory. You begin to declare that something that you, you begin to declare thanks to be to God because he always leads me in victory through Christ Jesus. Because when you praise and when you begin to magnify his name, how many know that when you magnify the Lord, the problem, the struggle looks a lot smaller because our God's greater. I thought you'd get excited about that. Our God is greater. Greater is he who lives in us than he who's in the world. I need some encouragement this morning. I hope you did. (laughs) Come on. We've got the victory. I've got to be reminded of that daily not trying to get the victory. We've got the victory. Don't give up ground. Don't cede ground to the enemy. Stand firm. Therefore, take up the full, somebody say the full, full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And this is what it is. We are in the evil day. If you haven't figured that out, come see me. We can't hide our head in the sand. We've got to face the reality, but we've got to know that God, for such a time as this, we were called. That God has entrusted us with his name, with his work in the earth during this time we live in, during this season. Come on. And to do that, I cannot leave my house and go about my daily business without being fully dressed dressed for success dressed for victory dressed to walk in what god has called me to walk in and that is so it's understanding our armor he says take up the full armor and i know you may have read this verse in this passage over and over again but how many know sometimes we just get kind of negligent and forget to put it on before we go out. Forget, to, forget what God has made available to us. Because this is what it means to be strong in the power of his might. Is you got to put on his powerful armor. Yeah. 
The full armor of God is what calls it, he, but Paul calls it, we can't be partially armed. It's quite likely, understand this, that when he was, some of the commentators, wrote that when he was writing this letter, that he was in a Roman prison and that he was next to a Roman guard. And as he's looking there, how many know he's praying in the Holy Spirit? We know Paul, he says, I pray in tongues more than y'all. He's praising God. He's praying in the Holy Spirit. He's got this Roman guard he's chained to, and he's looking at all his weapons. And he's going, God's just beginning to reveal to him, oh, I've got some weapons. Remind them of what I've given them. Remind them of the full armor of God because they need to see it and they could relate to this because it was daily normal to see a Roman guard or a a soldier in their presence. So he goes on to say in verse 14, therefore, stand, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do you notice that most of these weapons are defensive because we already got it? We're holding on to what God's already secured. We're standing in a place of victory. And so the outfit, let's look at it. He says, gird up your loins with truth. And this loin belt was arguably one of the most important pieces in the whole apparel. Why? Because it holds everything else together. You see, the sword, the sword had to be attached to a scabbard which was on the loin belt. And, and when the shield was not in use, it had to be attached on the other side. And so if your loin belt was all out, then the weapons were whack. Are you with me? And so he says, gird it up with truth. And it's also likely that the breastplate was connected some way to the loin belt. The use of the weapons depend on this loin belt holding it all together. Without it, it would fall apart piece by piece. For us, this represents... The importance of the written word of God in your life. The truth. The authority of God's word in your life. Being girded up with truth. You see, girded up had, two, it had a meaning too. It was, meant I was getting ready for action. The soldier was to get ready for action and to be mobile. And so... Every morning as you get into the word of God, and you begin to meditate on the truth of his word, and you allow his truth... You allow the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, to lead us into his truth. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's revealed in his word. It's revealed in the person of who Jesus is. And I'm girded up in that knowledge because I've got to know the truth or else I'm going to be deceived. True? And that truth of his word gives me a sense of the rest of the weapons, the sense of the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the truth of his word. Paul, speaking of his own ministry in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 7 says, In the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. That's how he fought. That's how he ministered. That's how he went about doing what God called him to do. He didn't leave unarmed. Are you with me, church? 
The enemy's greatest weapon in his arsenal is his lies. How did it all start? In the garden, he says, has God really said? Has God really said? He caused Eve to question God's word. And that's his strategy in his scheme in our lives, to question God's word and the authority of God's word. The need for truth is so evident in this time we live in. Come on, how many know we live in the age of fake news? It's hard to get facts. It's hard to get truth. It's hard to find out what's really going on. Because what's going on is not what's really going on. There are things going on in the heavenlies. There are things going on in the spirit realm that we don't fully understand. There's even things going on in the natural realm I don't understand. I watch the news and I still don't understand it. This side says this. This side says that. Man, we need to know what the truth is. Just as Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? The question of today is what is your truth? It's become relative, subjective, and there are no more absolutes. Truth is now based on an individual's perspective and experience. Even the basics, come on church, of biological gender, come on. So your truth, your reality can be defined on how you feel when you wake up in the morning? No. It's deception. The lies are increasing. The deception is increasing in our, in our world, and it's accelerated, emphasizing our need for being in the truth of God's Word. And if we don't have that, our lives will fall apart like a $2 suit. We will not be able to stand firm in these days. God's Word and the revelation of truth in the person of Jesus must be the authority in our lives. And we must be ready and alert You know, he said there's an alertness in several scriptures throughout the New Testament talking about the times we live. Be sober-minded and alert. He says, for your enemy prowls around like a lion, devouring whom he may. So that alertness, that readiness that God is calling us to gird yourself up in truth. Then secondly, and I won't go long, spend a long time on this, but breastplate of righteousness, putting on righteousness, protecting, and that breastplate covers the most vital organs that we have. Your heart. And Proverbs 4 says this, watch over your heart with all diligence for out of it, what flows the issues of life. You see, the enemy wants to get poison. He wants to get bitterness and offense and all these things into your life so that it will begin to sway how you live and how you walk. It'll cause those filters of how you perceive life, and you'll miss the truth of who God is and what his word is in your life. We've got to protect and watch over this heart. Be careful what you're letting through the inlets of your heart, what you see, what you hear. Our heart needs to be protected by his righteousness, not our own. See, here's the deal. Where, where there's a reliance, when we become self-righteous, when we become dependent on our own works, our own good works, then there's a pride that comes in. The Bible says that pride cometh before what? Destruction, the fall. So we put on the breastplate. Then he says, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How important are the shoes you choose to walk in today? Come on. 
When we were in Utah, this dirt was really slippery and dry. And if I would have used these shoes, I would have been falling all over the place. You see, you got to pick your shoes for the walk. And the walk that God's called us to, come on, is a walk of sharing the gospel of peace. And the type of shoes those Roman soldiers had had nails to grip. You need grip so you don't lose your footing in this time. And they were shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace is what he's calling us to. And then look at Isaiah 52, 7. How lovely on the mountains are the feet. Somebody say the feet of him who brings good news. Didn't Beth have some lovely feet this morning? Come on. She's bringing some good news. Who announces peace and brings good news of happiness. Who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Pick the right shoes. Be prepared. And he says the shield of faith. And this was a large, and the shield that they were, those soldiers used was a large oblong, oblong shield for protecting the entire body. In ancient warfare, it was not unusual for the enemy to begin with an onslaught of fiery darts that were fired towards the enemy. And he says not only should you block them, but extinguish those fiery darts extinguish those fiery darts and this this shield was constructed such that it would do so and god wants us to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy what are the fiery darts of the enemy in your life he comes with thoughts he comes with fear he comes with anxiety imaginations lies and he shoots them right at you he knows where our weak spot is he's not going to attack you in an area you're strong And so he comes with those things over and over again until we get hold of God's revelation and we we begin to walk in faith and we begin to get a hold of his word and we say, no more. Daily, daily we pull up, we take up this shield. Then he speaks of the helmet of salvation. And I can remember a scene from one of the famous war movies when this young man had just been in the midst of a battle and he takes off his helmet to inspect where the helmet had blocked the bullet. And as he does that, he's shot and killed. Take up that helmet and keep it on because this is your salvation. And the salvation, it's not, you say, Pastor, I got to take this up daily. Does that mean I'm praying the sinner's prayer every day? No. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says this, but since we are of the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Here's what it is. Do you know our, one of our biggest battles we have right now is discouragement, despair, despondency. So many Christians who are about ready to give up this, this thing after thing and they've been going through the testing and going through the grind and now they're ready to give up. You've got to throw on that helmet of hope, of salvation. You have a hope. You have a future. And it's greater than this present moment. So no matter what you're going through this, Paul said, I consider these things I've gone through to be slight for the glory that's ahead of me. 
in comparison to the glory, if we could see it, how would we live differently? The hope of salvation. Whoo! I'm saved, I'm being saved, and I'm going to be saved. Come on, somebody. The hope of salvation. And he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You're one offensive weapon. You're one offensive weapon. And we must learn how to use this thing. Come on. We must learn how to use it. Because when it says the word of the Lord, it's that word rhema, which the rhema is that spoken revelatory word that comes in for that specific time and a specific purpose in your life. See, I'm facing this thing, and, and it's also this sword. It was a macchiato, and it talks about a short, maybe 19-inch type of weapon that was like, more like a dagger. It had a bend at the end, or it might have had a twisted metal at the end so that when the person was close, you and just twisted it. I know that was gory. I'm sorry. But think of the devil. Think of his minions coming on you. But it was for close combat because the enemy wants to get close as he can to you. And to destroy us. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that his word is alive. It's quick. Amen. It's as a two-edged sword. That, see, that little sword had two sharp edges on each side. It was deadly. People saw it, and they, it struck fear into their imagination because of how much damage it did to the person who, was, who suffered a wound from it. Two-edged sword dividing asunder the soul and the spirit and revealing the thoughts and intentions of the heart. But his word, see, God will give you a word for that specific purpose and for that specific time that's in front of you. Just like Jesus in the wilderness when he was tempted by Satan and Satan's coming at him with his lies and his deceptive twists on scripture and Jesus came and answered with what? The word. But it was specific words that, God, that he had in that moment to counter the devil's lies. And that's how God will give you the word. Almost done. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times, somebody say, in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert. And with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak our tactics I want you to see three things this word all pray at all times we're living in a season and a time where we need to get hold of this, where we pray like we breathe. We pray like we breathe. See, even when you're working, even when you, you can be praying in your spirit, come on. You can be praying in the inner man. You can be meditating and, and you can be interceding for needs because the needs are so great right now. I just want to say some things. There's been some people in our church really suffering these last two weeks. And I'm so thankful for all of you. 
Because not only have you prayed and prayed and prayed, but you've met the needs in so many different ways. I thank God for you. But notice that Paul says, pray at all times and with all perseverance for all the saints. All times with all perseverance. Why do you need perseverance? Because a lot of times we pray, and I see so many people get there. They'll pray, and they'll, they're right on the verge of breakthrough, and they just oh, give up. You haven't seen it yet. Remember when Pastor Lonnie was here? He talked about the uh, Christian cuss word. Wait. And the willingness, I mean, some of those things that he testified, some of them took 14 years to materialize. But see, we, we don't want to, we're not going to pray that long. But that, we need to press through. We need to persevere in prayer until we see the answer. Until we see the answer, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give ground. Come on. Keep praying. Persevere. Persevere until you see the breakthrough. You're saying, I don't know what to pray for. Man, your saints, the saints around you have plenty of needs. And if you will avail yourself to the Holy Spirit, come on. You'll be going down the road or you'll be just doing something. You'll be doing some housework and all of a sudden this name comes into your spirit. And if you'll begin to just pray, God will show you what they're going through in that minute. He's looking about. He's saying, he's with his eyes to and fro. Is there somebody who will stand in the gap? Is there somebody who will pray for my people? There are saints around the world in crisis. There's always something to pray for so we can always pray. And you see, we, we might see the spiritual battle personally, but the spiritual battle is not just for ourselves. The spiritual battle is for his kingdom and for his purpose and for his people and for his church. We're going through battles. And I just want to exhort you this, this morning, church. You know, we went through 21 days of prayer and fasting together in June. And I recognize something, that many times when you're in that place, you begin to feel things. And the enemy comes and he tries to make it personal. When the reality is you are just entering into a battle that's bigger than you. But he wants to get you off your game and out of your position. And so when we know and we recognize his schemes, we recognize, hey, I'm in a time of prayer. We're, we're pressing in for some things. This week we're going to be pressing in for some things, church. For these, for these youth to have an encounter with God. We're praying, we're praying for revival. We're praying for an outpouring of, our spirit, of, of his spirit such as we saw in the Philippines. Come on. For young people to get so on fire that they begin to pray and intercede like that for their campuses, for their families, for their neighborhoods, for their generation. And so when you press in, you're going to be in the battle. You need to be aware of those things, those personal attacks that are coming. Be alert. Pray at all times. Look at what Paul says of Epaphras here. He says, Epaphras, who is one of our number, your number. He's one of you. Bond slave of Jesus Christ sends you his greetings. 
always, it says, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. Always. I want to be like him. Always laboring earnestly. Paul said, I labor until Christ be formed in you. Man, we need that kind of laboring intercessory prayer. That you may stand perfectly. You may stand. There it is. That you may stand. Don't fall. Perfect, which also means mature, fully assured, confident in all the will of God. That's his prayer. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure how to pray for people. There you go. That's a powerful prayer right there. Pray that they would stand. Pray that they would be fully assured. That's my prayer for you this morning. You would be fully assured and confident. In Hebrews, the writer says, don't throw away your confidence for which there is great reward. Because the enemy's trying to take your confidence. Many Christians over the last 16 months. Hi, guys. Oh, our kids see you. They're so cute. Many Christians over the last 16 months have lost confidence because they didn't know their position. They didn't know the struggle. They didn't know their armor. Don't let that be you. Stand. Having done all, stand. Stand. Keep standing. Know your God is victorious. Your God reigns. The script's already been written. The devil's a loser. Come on. He loses in the end. He's trying to fight and get as much as he can and steal as much as he can. He has to steal because he doesn't even have his own. Pray, labor in prayer that you may stand perfectly and fully assured in all the will of God. Can you stand to your feet this morning? In closing, I want to share this passage. This is so encouraging. Because when we stand in that position of grace, when we endeavor, saying, I'm going to be strong in the, in the Lord. In the Lord and in the power of His might. Not mine. His might. This says in Jude, verse 24 and 25, says, Now to Him who's able. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand. Come on. And make you stand. You say, I'm struggling to stand. Well, you quit trying. You let him do, he do it. He'll empower it. He says, I'll make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time, now and forever. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you. Father, we love you. Oh, yeah, let's just pray in the Holy Spirit. He says, pray in all times in, his, in the Spirit. Come on. Let's stir it up this morning, saints. 
Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't always know how we shall honor pray with groanings. Holy Spirit, you come and you pray through us this morning over your people. For all the saints, for every need. Help us to stand in the power of your might. Be strong in the power of your might, Father. Be fully assured in all the will of God. To not lose confidence. Help us this morning to press on to the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. To not lose sight of that, Lord. Father, this morning we lift up our brothers and sisters who are suffering. Come on, church, let's press in right now. Father, we thank you that you've given us authority over all manner of disease and sickness. And we curse this disease in the name of Jesus. We curse this disease in the name of Jesus. We, your people, agree together. You said if we agree touching any one thing, it shall be done. And so this morning we declare and we speak to this mountain to be taken up and cast into the sea. God, we command COVID. We command this disease to get off the people of God in Jesus' name. We plead the blood of Jesus over every household. Let your resurrection power quicken their bodies this morning in Jesus' name. Raise them up in Jesus' name. Breathe the Ruach, the breath of God into them. The breath of God into them. Breathe the breath of God into your people. Oh, Sabakaite. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We glorify your name. You are victorious. You reign, mighty God. You reign, mighty God. Is there anything too hard for our God? Oh, my Asamate. You're fully assured, Lord. You are with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us, Lord. You give strength and power to your people. You give strength to the weary. You quicken us, Lord. Help us to stand in this evil day. Help us this morning, we pray, to take up the full armor of God. To quench every fiery dart of the enemy. We thank you for the rhema word, the word in season, the word in time and purpose to defeat every scheme and plan of the enemy, God. 
thank you that you've anointed us and called us to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel and everywhere our feet shall tread you've given it unto us Lord thank you Lord thank you that you're opening doors before us You're here this morning and you said, say, Pastor, I've been struggling like giving up, barely hanging on, feeling weary in the battle. The Lord is here to strengthen you with his might, to remind you of his grace in which you stand, to heal your battle wounds and to get you ready. Just as Ezekiel looked on the valley of dry bones, from bones to a standing army, God is calling his people to a standing army, fully equipped, fully armed, stand their ground, to not give up ground, but to stand firm, having done all, stand. Father, we thank you. Thank you. If you're here and you need prayer for anything this morning, we want to. I'm going to ask you, saints, to do something different. We just turn to your neighbor and just ask them if they need prayer this morning for anything in their lives. And if you could just begin to pray over them, whatever's going on, whatever they're facing, to encourage them, to strengthen them. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, mighty name. If you need healing in your body, just let somebody know. We're just going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, pain, go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Healing, Father. Strength and virtue in the bodies this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.